dedicated to helping business owners excel in the digital world. This is The Path to Growth. You ever have a vendor or an agency come on board and you can't find your Facebook username or password? Or maybe they requested to be an admin of your Facebook page, but you can't log into the email address because you don't know what email address is associated with that account. That's what this episode's all about. Managing the information for your digital infrastructure. This pertains to not only small business owners, but medium and large companies as well. I've seen this so many times over the course of the past 20 years. And if you really think about it, it's the equivalent of the electrician coming in to check on your breaker box and you don't know where that is. How is that possible? He's going to say, wait, you don't know where your circuit breaker is? I mean, how do, what happens if the power goes out and you need to troubleshoot? If you don't know where that is, that's bad news for your business. And your digital assets, like your Facebook account, your Instagram account, anything, your website, I mean, if it's as vital, if, the, if your website goes down and you're giving that the same amount of importance as if your power goes off inside of your business and people can't purchase items, then you need to listen to this episode because the fact that you can't log into your website or you don't know who's hosting your website is a big problem in 2024. I mean, this is the digital age. So it's like I said, it's the equivalent of, of one of your utilities going out in your place of business and you don't know where things are located and you have no idea how to even start. All right, so the first topic that we're gonna cover is how do I find this information? All right, step one is, do you have the information? No, Joe, I don't have it. So let's move on to the next topic, which is how do I find it? So if this is pertaining to your website, there's multiple ways that you could find this information. Um, if you have your domain name handy, which you do, it's your www.rjmediastudios.com. If you have that address handy, and I'm going to put these links in the podcast description, but all you have to do is run, it's called the Whois, and it tells you who's responsible for your domain name. And the reason why we start with the domain name is nine times out of 10, your domain hosting company. Um, is going to be the same person who hosts your website itself, the actual files to your website. Um, I know a lot of people will say, no, that's not true. But let's be honest. Everyone knows who GoDaddy is. They're a household name. And GoDaddy used to do domains, and then they had hosting. And now they make it really easy to just say, all right, if you're going to buy a website domain with us, you might as well host it here too. So a lot of people go with GoDaddy, and they host the website as well. So if it's hosted on GoDaddy, if your domain is on GoDaddy, most likely your website is also on GoDaddy. So that's step one. Okay, so you found where your website domain name is. How do you know if it's hosted there? So let's just take an example. You know, obviously I can't go through all of the examples, but one great example that's probably pretty universal at this point is GoDaddy. Um, so you go to log into GoDaddy. If you forgot your password, that's fine. You just hit the button that says forgot password. If you don't have if you don't have access to the email address associated with your password, 
then you have a little bit of a larger problem, but it's still manageable. You reach out to their support, and what they do is they either help you with finding out what the email address is, or if you don't have access to that email anymore, then you do this whole verification jazz, which is you send them your driver's license or some sort of identification that shows that you are the owner of that website. This is not going to be like a month-long process. I do this all the time. It takes less than 24 hours. Sometimes it takes, you know, less than a few hours if your verification goes through quickly. But you'll be back up and running in no time. And once you have access, what you do is in your account, at the top, you're going to see a menu. And this might be outdated because they change their website, you know, every couple of years, every couple of months. God only knows, maybe even tomorrow. Somewhere, you're going to see a menu, just like how on a regular website you see, you know, home, about, contact us. There's going to be a menu up there. It might look like a hamburger. It might look like nine dots. Or it might actually say, uh, view your products, view your domains, view your hosting, something along those lines. What you're looking for is view your domains, okay? When you go to that page you're going to see a list of names, a list of domain names. Some of them might match your domain. Some of them might not because there are other domains purchased in order to uh, gain search engine optimization, whatever it may be. But if you see your domain there, then you found your domain provider. That's step one. You verify that you are on the right path, okay? And if you don't see it, but you saw GoDaddy in the Who Is scan, then that means it's on a different GoDaddy account. So how you would solve that is you can reach out to GoDaddy support and you just ask them. You're a customer. Don't forget that just because you know GoDaddy is just big tech company, you're still a customer. So they want your money. They're <laughs> they want to help you because they know they'll be getting their money if they help you. So what you do is you reach out to one of their support guys. They have a chat or you call them up and you tell them, I don't know what account my hosting is under. Here's my, um, here's my address, you know, my, my WWW address. And nine times out of 10, you're not going to have a problem. They're going to be able to help you within a couple minutes. And they'll, you know, they might ask you to identify yourself, you know, uh, what's your business name? What's the address of the business? Uh, you know, they have to make sure you're not just somebody off the street that's, that wants access to another website. So, but anyway, once you verify that that's where your domain is hosted, um, the next step is to actually go to the hosting section of GoDaddy. Now, this is really important. For this part of this tutorial, the most important thing you're going to look for is either it's going to say, WordPress or cPanel or um, there's a couple of other ones like business plan. If you see a product in there, okay, and don't, you know, a lot of people do the, oh, this is technology. I don't know what this means. Stop it. You, if you, you view a list of products in there, just read what it says. Does it say deluxe hosting? Does it say basic hosting? Anything with the word hosting. Um, and you know what? If you don't, if you don't see it right away, go to the billing section of your account. You know, if you got charged for, uh, you know, something you didn't purchase uh, on like, I don't know, Verizon or any or Optimum, 
It's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to talk to the billing department, right? And you're going to say, wait a second, what was I charged for? This is the same, this is the same approach for your hosting. There's no reason why you can't treat your hosting vendor as you would, like I said, like a utility provider. They're a utility also. So just ask them these questions or call them up. They will walk you through this. It's not really difficult to go through this step. A lot of people are just so scared and afraid because as soon as they see it's about technology, they think that you need to be, oh my God, you have to be an engineer or uh, you need to be the smartest person in the world to do this. You really don't. To get this access and to get your username and password to make sure you could just log in is the simplest step. And this is step one. Am I expecting you to code a website? All you're doing is finding out if you could log in to your hosting provider. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have somebody who's doing this for you, you are the person doing it. So this is the point of this episode is to help you manage this data. So let's say you log in, you have your hosting plan, and it says something like WordPress or cPanel or something like that. Congratulations, because you have now you now have your username and your password to log in to your domain as well as your hosting. Remember, they are two separate things. You might have your domain hosted with Google. They might be your domain associate or namecheap.com or Squarespace. Um, and you might have your hosting on you know a little box somewhere sitting in someone's apartment. God only knows. But your domain and your hosting you now have access to, then that's a big step. You now, you're not, at the, you're not at the mercy of somebody else or you're not at the mercy of an agency that you once had that you fired three months ago and you don't have that information. You now have it. So this is really good. Um, so now that you have it, what do you do? What do you do with this information? Do you write it on a sticky pad and you put it in your drawer? Is that going to help you if you're out to lunch somewhere and you get a call from a customer that says, I'm trying to buy some e-commerce products and your website's down? Is that going to help you, that little sticky note that's in your drawer? I don't think so. So what we're going to be discussing in the next couple of minutes is where do I store passwords? What is a secure environment to store my passwords? And most importantly... How am I going to access that in case of anything? I mean, nowadays, everyone has an iPhone or an Android device. They all have modern technology built into that. Web browsers like Safari or Chrome, where you can access this information from anywhere. If your website goes down, you literally can access your website backend from anywhere. Most of the time when websites go down, it's not even a technical problem. It could have been your credit card expired. Uh, I mean, over the course of the past five years alone, I probably have fixed 10 websites that I could think of, and I didn't do anything. All I did was ask the client, um, did you update your credit card info with your hosting provider? And you guys do get the emails. The problem is these companies send out so much spam that, of course, it's going to go to junk. It goes to junk for me, and I own an agency. It's just the way it is. So it's difficult. So, you know, sometimes you have to add stuff to your calendar. I mean, Jesus, with all the assistance that we have with Siri, Alexa, Google, I mean, 
You name it, we got it. So there's no reason why you can't set a reminder in your calendar. Hey, uh, renew your, you know, put your new credit card information in on GoDaddy. Again, if the electric company couldn't, couldn't charge your card and they shut down your electric, you bet your ass you're going to make it, you know, a top priority and say, whoa, 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 I got to, I got to make sure this is taken care of. I mean, obviously you don't have to worry about that because they send out a bill, but a lot of these domain companies, they do either monthly or yearly or three years, five years. I mean, who's going to remember to update a credit card in five years? Put it in your calendar. It's, it's, you know, this is not difficult. So basically what you want to do is you want to get something called a password manager. You might have heard of a few of these. There's 1Password. There's Dashlane. There's a whole bunch of them. One of them that I think is really user-friendly and is great for just the average, you know, small business owner who wants access to their passwords and it's not complicated is 1Password. I'm going to put a link in the description that's going to give you a referral to 1Password. This way, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when you create an account, it's going to walk you through all this. 1Password was made for consumers for regular everyday people to just store their passwords. So they're going to make it extremely user-friendly for anyone to use. You don't have to be a tech guru to use this application. And this could be installed on your laptop. This could be installed on your iPhone. This could be installed. Um, you can access it on the web. This way you, you can view passwords. But the most important aspect of this is the fact that when you store it, when you store passwords on your iPhone, a really cool utility built into it is that when you're in Safari and you store your passwords within Safari, they have the equivalent of that with one password. What does that mean? That means that you don't have to store your passwords inside of Safari. And what this allows you to do is the same, you know, the same way that you would use Face ID to log into Facebook.com or whatever it is. You can do that with one password and it's very native. So I'm probably going to release a video on how to set this all up. But to get started and to just get things moving, download one password, create an account, and start storing your passwords in there. All of them. Every single password that you would use. Even if you think you're not going to use it, put it in there anyway. Because one day you might turn around and say, you know what? I need a password and I can't find it and this will help. If you're a small business or a medium business and you don't currently have an agency to take over things right now like handling your marketing, handling your website, handling anything, you don't you might not think that you need one. And that's fine. You might go a year, two years, three years without an agency. All of a sudden year 4, you say, "You know what?" We got some revenue and we're starting to gain traction for this new business. Why don't we invest in some marketing? Or why don't we do a new web, redesign a website? All right, great. You hire the agency. They're all excited. They go, oh, yeah, let's, let's do this. We'll start next week. You know, we could sign quickly. Oh, okay. Um, next week's not going to work for us because, uh, you know, you guys need all this information. Like, my hosting, my Facebook, all this stuff. I don't have any of that. I don't have it ready right now. That's not good. So this one password thing will help you because instead of saying, I don't have that, or I don't know what I'm doing, 
you could now tell the agency, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to add you guys um, to have shared access to my username for this, this, this account. Um, and what this is going to allow you to do is you can now log in. You know, you can take care of our hosting. You can take care of our domain name and all that stuff. And there's no delay. That can happen same day. We could sign the contract. We could start next week. Great. We have everything we need. You'd be really surprised as to how that changes the view of the agency now. I, I know this feeling. I go through it all the time with new clients. I say to myself, my God, how is it possible? They run, these guys run such a successful business, yet they don't know what their Facebook login is. And it's not a good look because it, as a business owner, it makes, it makes you look unprofessional. You know, you're not coordinated. I mean, just pretend that that was a customer and they asked you, what's the price of this item? And instead of you knowing what the price is by looking it up somewhere, you say, oh man, I put that price on a sticky note in my drawer somewhere. The customer's going to say, wait, what? You don't even know the price of your own items and you don't know where to find it? I mean, you're not expected to know, you know, oh yeah, that shoe is uh, $44.99. No, but you're going to look it up in a computer, right? Look at that. You're, you looking it up in a computer is already telling the customer, all right, these guys know what they're doing. They got everything. They got their stuff together. They're organized. But now if an agency doesn't have that same feeling, they're going to say, eh, are these guys really serious about this? Because they don't even have their stuff managed. Uh, it's not a good look. And it's not going to help you at all with what you want to accomplish because you're not going to have the right tools available to you in the timeline that you need it. Now, you may be wondering, well, Joe, why would I want to give other people access to my username and password? And you are absolutely correct. That is not the point of this episode. The point of this episode is to let you know that you should have all of this information stored so that you can access these accounts and invite the proper people that would need access. Now, I know you must be wondering, why don't I just use Safari's password manager or Chrome's password manager? I mean, I already have all my other personal passwords in there. One of the major reasons why you shouldn't use those passwords is, this, actually the simplest thing is, what if you don't use that web browser today? And you might say, oh no, I use that all the time. There are some websites that aren't Safari friendly, they aren't Google Chrome friendly, they aren't Microsoft Edge. Well, Internet Explorer used to be its own thing, but Microsoft Edge is based off of Google Chrome anyway. But the point is, you might not use that browser, and then if you need access to that password, now you're stuck. Whereas if you have something like a 1Password, that they have plugins already for each browser if you want to go that route, or... It doesn't matter. You just have it stored on your phone and or on your desktop, and then you hand type it in. Whatever approach you want to take, the browser passwords are they're they're great. There's I'm not saying not to use them, but it's not a place where you would want to centrally store information other than passwords as well. So these other pieces of information that will come in handy would be something like an account ID. For example, going back to the whole GoDaddy example, just because you know your email address 
doesn't mean you know what your account ID is or your support pin. If you've ever had to reach out to GoDaddy support, you know that the first thing they ask you is, what is your account ID and what is your support pin? So what you can do in 1Password is you can actually make a note that's a secret encrypted note inside of there and it'll have your account ID and your support pin. And that's a safe place to store that because it's encrypted and you will only have access to it. It's not going to be on a sticky pad somewhere. And the benefit of that is that now, let's say you do hire somebody and you want to invite them to your 1Password business account. You can do that safely and share passwords with them safely. It's not like, oh, hey, Jennifer, we just hired you for social media. Here's our Instagram username and password. Uh, remember to store that somewhere safe. You know, she's going to remember to do that, right? No, they're going to just do their job and log in and that's it. You're not going to know where they store it. Whereas you can control this a little bit better if you have something like a one password. You're not going to give them access to your Safari personal passwords now, are you? No. So this is a good way to start to get into that, um, that habit of only sharing passwords through the application, not actually verbally writing it down and handing it to them. You know, it might not be a big deal at first. You might say, oh, no, that's no problem. But, you know, you fire them, and the next day, you don't know. You don't know them. You, they might, you know, change a password or put up a post that's an insulting post to your customer. You have no idea. So you want to take control of this so that you could manage this. And this is step one. Something like a 1Password is step one for managing your digital identity. This is why this was the first thing that I wanted you to do. You know, this is the first step after you get all of this information, all of these user accounts, and just basic, basic information. This is where you store it, inside of a 1Password. And the link is going to be in the comments. If you have trouble, just send me an email. My email is also in the comments. And I'll help you walk through it. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, like I said, it's not really a difficult application to manage. It might take a little minute, you know, a little bit to, to get the flow of things, you know, to get used to you logging into an application like that. Maybe you don't trust it at first. That's fine. A lot of people don't. I'm not expecting you to put your bank account or your social security number in there, although it probably is going to be safe because it's encrypted. Um, you know, start small. Start with something. Like, for example, your, you know, your Facebook uh, username and password, something simple, something that you might be able to recover. That's not something that's like a utility, because I know a lot of people don't treat these accounts like they're utilities. But I promise you, when your Facebook goes down and you can't log into it and your customers are asking you questions, are you open? Uh, it's snowing today. Are you guys open or closed? You know, the roads are open, but I don't know if you are. You know, when you start getting all these responses from people, you're going to say, gee, oh, man, how can I make this easier? This is how. So go download Password 1. Uh, one Password, not Password 1. One Password. And once that's installed and you have your credentials in there, I promise you your life is going to be 100 times easier. And I'm going to continue a series like this where I guide you through other aspects of how you could manage your online digital information.
This is the information that lives and breathes with your online portfolio. You know, this is your online identity. So this is why you have to keep it in a safe place.